The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information and um, financial news that may be relevant to you, whether you're still working and thinking about your future retirement or you're someone who's in retirement. And certainly there's a lot of concern with inflation and market volatility and how that impacts your financial choices and spending. And we are sponsored by the estate planning team. And the estate planning team is an affordable, fee-based, Ohio-registered fiduciary planning firm that's been around Cleveland now more than 35 years, helping people um, build custom financial plans and also through objective, unbiased analysis. We're not investment advisors. Um, what we do is look at your big picture or help people with specific analysis. And we're that traditional financial planner number cruncher. And in our case, either our clients do the investing on their own or we work in coordination with their existing investment advisors to get a better result. Um, it's not mutually exclusive. We have, like, that's why I want to explain. We have people that use an investment advisor, and what we do is very different. When we do the financial modeling, we help people, especially these during these times of economic uncertainty, know what growth rate you need to accomplish your long-term financial goals, and are you taking on more risk than necessary? Certainly, people are worried about uh, the market, and maybe they want to have more safety of principle or principle preservation and slow growth. And if you can do all the spending you want to do, why take on the risk, unnecessary risk? Um, so we look at things very different. And certainly people want to know timing of um, Social Security, pension election options. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about today. And we have a class coming up on IRA or company plan distribution planning and Roth conversions. And in many cases, people miss opportunities. When we have, uh, we offer a free consultation, we see time and time again before minimum required distribution. Or if somebody is even in, they're missing opportunities um, through Roth conversions or taking more money out and maxing out their zero bracket or a lower bracket. Because later on, and we've talked about recently on the show that you can get hit with the IRMA adjustments or the Medicare surtaxes, um, which sometimes if you wait on minimum required distribution, depending on how big your IRA or company plan pot is, that um, RMD could get quite big, especially with a delay of with a Secure Act at age 72, and certainly could even be delayed more with a Secure Act 2.0. So different things that we look at, we offer the free consultation, and we do that by phone or in person. And we have both hourly and comprehensive retainer options. And we actually will do preliminary analysis for that consultation, we have you fill out a two page summary. And so that we can do some analysis so we have a better understanding of your issues and potential problems and potential opportunities. And we only recommend you work with us if you are someone who can actually benefit. And if you want to take advantage of the free consultation, you can call our office at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. And also want to mention the website at financialfoodforthought.com. You can sign up for the free consultation, the newsletter, and I have one coming out next week. And also our planning classes, which I already have people registered for in September. Those are for people, if you have IRAs, company plans, or similar tax qualified assets, we're going to talk about the rules, costly mistakes, and misconceptions people have, um, the minimum required distribution tax trap, strategies you can use to minimize the overall tax impact, not just one year, both during your lifetime and your heirs, because that SECURE Act did eliminate the stretch IRA. Um, we're going to talk about the SECURE Act and some of the clarifications that came out this year. The Secure Act 2.0. Um, I think, Mark, you're going to incorporate the IRMA adjustments too. Yeah, Carrie, you, you just mentioned th that a minute ago that 
that more and more of our clients, Carrie, are asking us or concerned about the IRMA, which is the income-related monthly adjustment amount. If you're not familiar with that, it's basically part of the Medicare system. You know, in other words, what you will pay for your Medicare B premiums and your Medicare D premiums, if you're choosing that. It's based on how much income you have. A lot of people don't have that understanding. And there's a two-year gap, and that confuses people. But more and more baby boomers, as they get to that age, you know, 10,000 a day are turning 65, and we're not nearly done with that yet. It's going to go on for more than a decade and a half, I think, still. That they're 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 learning the hard way about the Irma adjustments, Mm -hmm. and so we're going to incorporate that into this year's class, Mm -hmm. these year in classes, um, which we haven't before. We've talked about it at previous class. We've been talking about the Irma adjustments for decades, right? But this year, because we're getting so much questions about it, and so many of our new clients, that's one of their main priorities is right am i going to have this irma adjustment or how can i protect myself from having that and we've done that for a long time i mean that's part of the analysis when people are looking at year-end planning is saying do i want to max out a certain threshold do i want to max out the capital gain and certainly we have a big group of people that's saying i want to max out where i'm not getting in the irma right now a lot of times carrie the person who's concerned about it don't doesn't need to be concerned See, this is the difference between just have a feeling or, or, or shooting from the hip versus getting a custom analysis that projecting out to the future. Right. And so we've never shown that through like a case example using uh, spreadsheets, so to speak, mm-hmm. that shows what we call the IRA RMD IRMA trap. And whether or not you will get, fall into that or perhaps you won't fall into that. Or if you are going to fall in that, what steps can you can do now that reduces the risk that you will get caught in that trap? That's also, So we're going to bring that also, of course. We've got the the IRA Act, the, right, the, the Inflation Reduction it. Act of 2022. That probably will pass. You know, dang. this week, you know, Kristen Cinema, she she got what she wanted. That oh, the, dang it! You know, I was hoping not that the carried interest is not going to be revoked. But in either case, will that may have, by the time we do those September classes, that may be law. It might not. It may be. And certainly, if it is law by the time we do those classes, we'll have updates on that as well. So, yes, that. Um, so those are things that we're going to talk about that class, not only by doing effective IRA or company plan, I'm going to say IRA, distribution planning, not only do you potentially reduce future tax rates, um, especially if you're in the camp that thinks tax rates are going to go up in the future. Um, You're looking at your overall tax liability and how to minimize that. It definitely can avoid those IRMA adjustments and those can be hefty. Um, And you don't think of it as a tax, but it's definitely an increase. And who knows with healthcare rates, what that could be down the road in the future. So it's better to be proactive um, when it comes to your financial life, at least in a world where many things that you can't control, at least take control of the things that you can. So those classes are September 14th at 6 p.m. or September 20th at 3 o'clock in Middleburg Heights. Details are on the website. You can register online or call our office at 440-239-2090. We do ask that you pre-register. We do have some great handouts, a workbook included. So make sure you register early for both dates. I already have people signed up. And actually, Mark, while you were talking, I had someone else register. (laughs) <laughs> on the okay. website, so. <laughs> All right. Carrie, what are you going to do if that cell phone, that smartphone ever uh, breaks down? You Carrie? know what? When I do my yard work, I just leave it in the house. Okay. So for everybody, <laughs> you know, so full disclosure, we're taping this show on Friday morning, um, the the 5th. And we're all working through the somber summer of 22, Carrie. And, and the news is bad. The... It's hard to find good news. A lot right. of people are, are concerned. Whether you want to call it a recession, we at the state planning team just say we're not going to get into that debate of whether we're in a recession or not a recession. Let's just talk about we're having an economic downturn. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the the question is, how does that affect your retirement plan? So on the second half of the show, Carrie, I, I want to just go through again the way that depending on how negative you think this economic downturn is going to be, then how do you modify your base case plan? Meaning if you had put together a financial plan model a couple of years ago, maybe even last year, you might have not built in a negative economic downturn. You might have not built in uh, a seven, eight, do I hear a 9% inflation handle on your expenses, right? Um, so your plan might have been running fine, right? We call that plan A, right? right. But have are, are now, are you concerned enough or should you be concerned enough to run what we sometimes call here a plan R? Right. Um, and then, you know, for the radio, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, a lot of times we use Benjamin's 4% rule and say, okay, how, if you were doing it in the back of a napkin like Benjamin was doing with the 4% rule, how would you have to modify that based on your belief now that we're going to have an economic downturn, whether that be higher embedded inflation for a longer period? Or a, a a U.S. recession that would carry with it a, a 20, 25 percent drop in the stock market. Um, some of you, you know, look you know, again. This is a pretty bad year for uh, investments and bonds in general. Okay, this will be one of the few years where your classic sixty forty allocation, sixty percent growth, forty percent fixed, will probably be negative. All right. Um, but so has that derailed your retirement plan? Um, whether you're planning on retiring in the, in the next year or two, or whether you were recently retired, or even if you've been retired for a while and you just now say, okay, do I have to change some of the assumptions to, and that, and so we'll, we'll, we'll look at that too. But we had a lot of economic data this week, Carrie, right? And, and including, we call it, you know, the triple play payroll, right? And so r- real quickly, w- we try to get a read on what's happening with the labor department in this country, because remember, that is such an important data point. If you're trying to d- determine whether we are going to have a soft landing with the Federal Reserve's raising of the interest rates to squash inflation, or it's going to be a hard landing that we're going to wind up in a recession, or what a lot of you know headlines talk about is one of the worst case scenarios, stagflation, right? And remember, part of the, the stagflation, a lot of people, maybe not a lot of listeners, but some listeners remember those 70s, you know, and, and, and what was happening there and how Volcker, you know, had to raise interest rates so much to squash that inflation. So remember the third, there's three, you know, the stagflation is a three-legged stool, we like to say, right? You know, and the, the first is slower GDP growth. Well, we know that's happening, right? The second is high inflation. Well, we know that's still happening. Say, um, the third leg is high unemployment. Right. And that's what we don't have right now. And that's what everybody is waiting to see. But so what we what did the triple play payroll data tell us this month? Okay. So first we start with the JOLTS report, right? The job openings report. Okay. And that's this is two months old data. So okay, so is it gotta okay. be you know, you know, this is for the June JOLTS report that came out here this week. The actual job openings was about ten point seven million. You know, the consensus was looking for about 11.14 million, so slightly below consensus. Downside, you know, surprise. Um, it's also lower than the previous read, which was about 11.25. But still, they say there's about 1.8 open jobs for every available worker. So, it, so again, maybe somewhat worse than it was in, earlier in the year, but still very you know, basically anyone who wants a job should be able to get one, right? Which is good news. Then that, then we had the weekly jobless claims. Okay, now this is weekly, right? And this is jobless claims, right? So the actual came in at $260,000. All right, now, $260,000, Carrie, 260,000 jobs. Dang. Yeah, <laughs> jobless like... claims. <laughs> 260,000 people filed for jobless claims. All right. 
This is where you have us. We always talk about the the parameters of when the economy is strong versus when the economy is weak. And it's around, you know, if, if jobless claims are 200,000 or below, everything's good. If jobless claims a week are 300,000 or more, it's not so good, right? So 250 is right the medium there. And what recently the jobless claims have been ticking higher over that $250,000 medium, right? That's not good news. Um, they also, part of what people are looking at now on the weekly jobless claims is also the continuing claims, Carrie, right? In other words, the people that are keep filing, right? In other mm-hmm. words, they're not finding work. Right. It's not the new jobless claims. It's also the ones that... Is it from the continuing. great resignation or they're being selective uh, in what you, they're... <laughs> I don't know. You ask them, right, Carrie? A lot, well, a lot of it is, um, they say, the COVID long haulers. Right. They'll ne- they may never be employable again. Right. If they can't get over it. I think someday they will be. We'll um, figure it out. They may be too late. All right. And they may be too far out to get back into the market, the job market. Right. But there's always something you can do. Um, okay. I'm just. Right. I'm just saying. Um, just saying. Um, now, so continuous claims rose to 1.4 million. Ouch. You know, that's not great news. Um, so in other words, and, and also too, so in March was probably, the March of this year were probably at the low point where it was about 166,000 new claims, right? Jobless claims. So we're 50% off that low. And historically, Carrie, you know what that has indicated? A recession. Recession. Okay. Um, but then today, this morning, we got the jobs report. All right. And the jobs report was stellar, all right? So the consensus was looking for about, um, this is, you know, new non-farm payroll, right? Right, because last week or last time it was trending up. Right, well, last, the previous month it was 372,000. Right. Okay, the consensus for this month was 250,000. Right. Okay, you know, and where did it come in at? Did you hear, Carrie? No, I did not hear. Five hundred and twenty-eight thousand. Ooh, that's great. Yeah, five. I mean, it blew. It was almost double was what the consensus thought. Is that it wasn't a, even close to? It, it blew away the consensus. It, you know the and also the previous month was revised upwards from the three hundred seventy-two thousand to I think the four hundred thousand. Well, that's positive so this is my point this is the pay this is the labor in other words it, it, it's the uh, and the for basically so you've got a three-month average of about four hundred thirty-seven thousand new farm farm payrolls i guess this is that's a great, not a struggling labor come on no and i think that's an argument where regardless of things that are going on that you can't control it comes down to how does this all of these changes immaterially impact my financial choices and my financial plans right but it also impacts on what the federal reserve is going to do and right. may may give you how bad you think they have now unemployment rate previous was 3.6 consensus thought it'd be unchanged it came in a tad lower 3.5 percent okay unemployment's going down new farm payrolls are going up that's a good sign it's a sign that says the Federal Reserve isn't going to slow down on the interest rate hikes. Now, the next FOMC meeting will be September, right? We're going to get CPI data next week, okay? Um, they'll, and then they'll have another month of data. But right now, chances are the Federal Reserve isn't going to slow down on their interest rate hikes. Um, we'll see what CPI says next week, but probably another 75 basis point, Um now, wage average hourly earnings uh, ticked slightly upward. Um, the labor force to participate rate has been declining. It, it's yeah, it, it's un, it, it's different this time. I guess we can say that. So, mm-hmm. so is this good news or bad news? Um, well, I, you know, I guess it's up to you to decide that, right? Um, because the good news is, yeah, the, the, the non-farm payrolls are strong. The jobless claims aren't horrendous or not anywhere than 300,000 yet. Um, but the bad news in that is that the Fed tightening is going to continue. 
And, you know, that may affect the, the, the you know, does then, then that risk of the recession, right? Um, so the Powell pivot has probably been pushed back because the payroll strength is still out there. Um, all right. So that then, the other big issue, and I tried to, on last week's show, Carrie, and I know you told me you can always go back and listen to the podcasts mm-hmm. um, for the previous shows, but I try to warn the listeners that don't get too caught up in all the uh, shock line news stories that you're going to see this week based on the new Build Back Better, which is new. The, now the Build Back Better is out, right? And it's now called the um, Inflation Reduction Act they of 2022. They stupid. They have the same acronym as IRA. Like. Um, yeah, they, whatever. Um, yeah, that's not going to be too confusing to people, right? The, the IRA Act. Um, now, but I said is don't get too caught up in the headlines because, again, Look, be you got to look to see who's writing those stories, who's making those stories public, and what their agenda is. Which is nine times out of a ten, they're trying to control your vote. All right. right, but um, the bottom line is, it's a lot of spending. It's a lot of spending, and we're already in a lot of debt. Well, when has the government not spent a lot of money here? Well, when are they going to cut their spending? They expect everybody else has to. Um. So I just real quickly, I'm going to give you the shock lines. All okay. right. Democrats Inflation Reduction Act would raise taxes on Americans making less than four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Here's another one. Inflation Reduction Act would lead to one thousand eight hundred in savings for the average household. Hmm. How about this one? Inflation Reduction Act main impact is to cut health, not inflation. Here's another one. Economists say reconciliation bill will lower prices for all Americans. Hmm. Manchin-Schumer spending bill could eliminate $30,000 jobs. Hmm. Joe Manchin hails expansive bill he finally agrees to is great for America. The Inflation Reduction Act doesn't reduce inflation. Hmm. Manchin tells Meet the Press, I'm not going to be responsible for inflaming inflation rates. Carrie, I could go on and on Mm -hmm. and on. I just gave you, what, four... Positives for negatives. Right. Who's right? Who do you believe? Hmm. All right. I uh, sure don't trust our politicians. All right. Um, or the media for that matter. Now, so, but my point about this was that you, you, you have to read the story, not just the headline. Right. Okay. And then you have to have a way to decipher if what they're talking about, what they're really talking about, and hopefully you can pick that up by reading the whole story, not just the headline, mm-hmm. or the 30-second sound beat that you hear on their, you know, their uh, news you know, programs, does it really affect you? Are they talking about you? And th- this is where you have to you know, say, okay, I... I got to figure that out, right? Um, because is this what they're what they're saying? Is it really going to affect me, or more? I guess what we talk about in the show is it going to affect my financial plan? All right, um, to the point: is it going to derail my retirement? Right, plan? and that's what you need to know, or your fi- my spending plan, or my travel pan- plans, or am I going to run out of money? I mean, that's the bottom line. Okay. So I, I want I drilled down on a couple of these articles, Carrie, right? Because some of them raised my eyebrows when okay. I read the shock lines. Now I've got two of them here because I won't have time to do both two today. Okay. I'll let you pick which one you okay. want me to do today and I'll do one next week. Okay. okay. So here's one headline, Carrie. And I as IRS prepares to double in size, it isn't the billionaires who should be worried. Okay. Here's a second one. Manchin's inflation bill includes Bill Back Better's most economically damaging provision. Hmm. Well, let, let me throw that one out. Okay. Um, let me throw that one. I'll hold that one to the side. Let me give you another one here, Carrie. Okay. 
Most Americans will feel tax pain from Dems' inflation bill, despite Biden's past promises. That one. I like that one. You want to do that one? Sure. Okay. Um, so why don't you give a number out and I'll get that. All one. right. Uh, regardless of that, find out how all of these worries and concerns can impact you. Because certainly sometimes um, people are missing opportunities that actually minimize what the government gets. And if you're mad about all the spending like I am, maybe you want to be proactive and minimize whether it's your during your lifetime order your heirs. Um, and if you can redirect the money and make different choices about being proactive, whether you're working, um, there are steps and strategies you can take or you're someone who's already in retirement um, that we see every year to take advantage of opportunities that do exist in economic downturns and um, with tax laws and take advantage of a free consultation if you want clarity on your spending and impact of inflation and market volatility and find out what you can do. Call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090 or sign up for the September IRA and Roth planning classes. Again, that's 440-239-2090. If you leave a message, we'll call you back Monday morning. Or you can register online through the website at financialfoodforthought.com. That's financialfoodforthought.com. All right, Carrie, so what this article and many articles like it are getting at and, and during the week, I saw many articles zero in on the same point, right? But, mm-hmm. but it's the idea of saying, okay, the two tax revenue increases in this bill, one is the 15% minimum tax, corporate right. minimum tax. You know, and, and again, a lot of people miss the point that that's only for companies over a billion dollars. Right. So I'll let you decide whether that's... A, a company that's over a billion dollars is a small business or not. In my I, I, opinion... I would say no, it's, it's not a small yeah. business. Okay. Um, now, and then there's a lot of stretching going on saying, well, because the big companies, they'll pass all that down to you. But but wait a second. Carrie, I thought that a lot of the talking heads wanted a fair tax. Don't okay. some of them talk about having a fair tax? There's no such thing as a fair tax. Well, this is the time I give my TBT, uh, TBT uh, axiom, Carrie. Okay. The only fair tax for all would be no tax at all. That's true. Okay. Outside of that, any tax that's implemented is not fair to everyone. Right. Does everybody get that? Right. But don't a lot of the people against the tax system right now say we need a fair tax? Well, isn't kind of a 15% for a company making over a billion dollars? Do they think that's not fair? And don't we actually have a graduated system? I mean, the people that are saying, and aren't there opportunities that sometimes people use that are in the tax law if you choose not to use them? You know, but also, too, is it. They, you know, there's nothing here that says every company over a billion dollars isn't paying tax. Right. Yeah, you know, in other words, all right. But also, haven't you heard people talk about that that we think we should have, we should yank out the current IRS code and replace it with a flat tax? Mm Mm-hmm. How is that fair then? Well, hold on. Even before you get to that. Right. Isn't kind of like an alternative minimum tax kind of like the same thing as a flat tax? Yeah. Because what they're doing is saying, regardless, Mr. Big Bad Corporation, of how many deductions your you know, your Wall Street attorneys, tax specialists can come up right. with, they're all out the window and you're going to pay 15%. Isn't that kind of like a backdoor flat tax that I thought a lot of people right. were wanted? So, so here is one, the 15% minimum corporate tax on companies over a billion. I could make an argument that's a fair tax. I could also make an argument it's a flat tax. Right. But I guess a lot of people don't see it that way. Right. Um, so, and, and the idea that saying that, um, and the second part of the, of the bill is that they want to spend $80 billion to beef up the IRS over 10 years, right? Including, you know, hiring $87,000 new, 87, new IRS agents. Where are they going to find 87,000 IRS agents to hire carry? I have no idea. But that's, you know. Yeah, but, good luck with that. Um, but, the, uh, but one of the things is, um, and a lot of people are saying, 
that the that the really the, the IRS they're not going to go after the billionaires. They're going to go after you and me and everybody. Okay. Okay. And I talked a little bit of this on last week's show, right? right. You know, and and they're going to go after small businesses, and they're going to go after the gig workers. You know, people getting paid under the table, and they're going to go after the people that are selling items on eBay and making money. It's not a, really a hobby; it's really a business, right? And, right? and they're not reporting the income, you know, and stuff. So, so I'm having a problem with tax compliance versus new legislative enacted tax right. rates. So, you know, Biden keeps saying no one under making 400000 is going to see an increase in taxes. So if you have to now comply with existing tax law, meaning you have to pay more taxes than what you've been paying, is that compliance with the current law or is that a new tax hike? That's compliance. But I think people are saying, because I've read other articles saying... If you're taxing the higher indirectly, it's going to trickle down to us well, consumers. Well, that's the stretch. Right. But, I mean, consumers usually are the ones who have to foot the bill in some okay. way, shape, or form. So here's what a lot of people are saying. The IRS disproportionately targets low-income Americans when it conducts audits each year. I disagree. Because if the IRS is short-staffed, and you have to use your resources and time, they're going to go for the ones that are the bigger win. All right. Well, let's... Okay. Why wouldn't they? Okay. So they're saying that their fact is that households with less than $25,000 in earnings are five times as likely to be audited than everyone else. This really? Is, this is the transactional... Um, uh, access clearinghouse. It's, it's an analysis that using data from 2021. And why, Carrie, is that? Is it because of compliance? It's because of the correspondence. It's the IRS robots. Right. Okay. So. um, Is it because people are making mistakes necessarily? (laughs) Not because uh, of. Now we're getting into the detail. But that's not going after. That's just a compliance. Okay. The reason is the correspondence audits, meaning that the IRS conducts reviews of tax returns via letters or phone calls rather than more complex face-to-face audits. And by the way, the letters are done by the robots. Right. Okay. I got one this year because, and you know what? There's more of those I found out through our um, CPA is that for the child tax credit. Yeah. You know, so you have all these credits and even though I the had stimulus documents. checks and right. people said they didn't get them when they got them. Right. Or, or they didn't get them when they th- the IRS said they did. Yeah. That's so, what I'm yeah. right. But I'm just saying that's causing a huge number. Okay. So they go on. Their study says that just a fraction of the 100,000 of the 659,000 audits in 2021 were conducted in person. That's where, because right. there's no IRS staff, right? Right. They're, they're all home with the, the COVID. And you can't talk to them either. Okay. Now, 54% of the correspondent audits involved low-income workers with gross receipts of less than $25,000. And here's the key, Carrie, mm-hmm. who claimed the earned income tax credit. So if they didn't claim the earned income tax credit, they probably wouldn't have got flagged. But that's not the real story. Okay. Okay. So, Carrie, um, so the IRS robots are are finding, we're calling matching errors. The other one, too, is that, you know, it, 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 that if the W-2 that the IRS got or a 1099 that the IRS got doesn't match what the taxpayer reported on their return. Okay. Carrie, this is sometimes we talk right. about year end planning, right? This is one of the things we talk about. Do you have your 1099 cheat sheet? In right. other words, do you have a list of every 1099 that you're expecting? And are you checking that list off as you getting that information in the mail? Right. Cause we've spent time in January and February saying, guess what? Sometimes 1099s are wrong. Sometimes you didn't get one. It got lost in the mail. And then you forgot to report it because you have several accounts. Happens all the time. Every year. We have clients. We have some clients who have double-digit 1099Rs. You take a husband and wife. They each have got 401Ks and IRAs. And And an inherited IRA, maybe. A couple of those. And they had an annuity inherited IRA and a regular IRA. And they like diversified. They may have some IRA CDs. IRA. They may have some IRA annuities that they annuitize. Turn on the guaranteed income rider. Those are all generating 1099 R's, right? Um, as, as more or less the 1099 dividends, 1099 interest, right. and things like that. 
right? Um, now, but even besides the matching errors, Carrie, what about this? Why, why is it, why are the robots going after so many people making less than $25,000 who claim, be, you, now, Carrie, have you heard, I don't know, maybe you haven't heard this story, but there was a little problem with crooks stealing taxpayers' identities and filing tax returns? A big problem. Did you hear about, did anyone else hear about that? Yeah, I think most people did. Okay. How many listeners has that happened to, I wonder? This is where you realize when you go to file your tax return, you get a letter, a robot letter from the IRS saying, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, we already have your return. Yeah. And you're like, what are you talking about? I haven't filed yet. All right. Um, Okay. Now, so what is going on there? So part of this is that because of the fraud going on, in other words, what the crooks learned, especially when they got really smart, these aren't people in, you know, this isn't your teenager in the basement. Right. These are full-fledged crooks. Oh, yeah. Stealing your identities. Right. They're using their their mad computer skills for evil. And what they're doing is they're filing a fraudulent return saying, hey, I didn't have any income, but I get the earned income tax credit, which is refundable to you even if you didn't have any income. And that's exactly what they're doing. That's why you're triggering all those letters. Because the IRS, everyone was complaining the IRS, you've got to do something. So the IRS now has to audit those millions and millions of these tax returns that these crooks are fraudulently filing, getting this earned income tax credit. And by the way, the crooks aren't telling the IRS to send the earned income tax credit to your bank account. Whose bank account do they want it sent to? Their own. You think? Do you think maybe that's why there's an improportionate amount of these those types of tax returns being audited? Yes. And that's just an automatic saying there's a problem okay um now just for um just for the record the irs has maintained that it will not increase audits on households earning less than four hundred thousand if the 80 billion in funding is approved i wouldn't think they'd have if you're going to spend that's what my point earlier is if they're really going to spend time to have people go after they're going to go after big money they're well, not going to they're going to go after well they're going to go after carry people who are not compliant right okay so they know there's certain areas small business is a big target on your right. back not and unless you're following the rules right then there isn't a big target right. on your back correct okay um gig workers Right. You know, could be a big target. Which you had a lot of tax cases that you've talked about over the years, the hobby loss, where you don't have any income, but then you say it's a loss, which really was a hobby. Or you're trying to, you're not even, you're getting paid under the table, or you're not even reporting. You're not paying your payroll taxes, your Social Security and your Medicare tax. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the now, um, Chuck Reddick, you know, and, 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 and by the way, this one article, can you get the IRS commissioner's name right? What'd they say? Chuck Redding, you know, with an oh. N. It's like, I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> I know we don't hear much from Chuck. Right. But get his name right. Right. His name right. All right. So Chuck Reddick wrote a letter to Congress um, this week um, and s- saying that these resources are absolutely not about increasing audit scrutiny on small businesses or middle income Americans. As we have been planning our investment for, for, of these enforcement resources is designed around Treasury's directive that audit rates will not rise relative to recent years for households making less than 400000 Do you believe, Chuck? I don't know. Um, you, you know, we'll see. But I think it's just the idea of saying that sometimes you have to go beyond the shock line, read the story, and then figure out, is, am I, do I have a target on my back? Mm-hmm. And if you're filing your tax returns, following the law, not getting too aggressive in your, in your taxes, and this is what hopefully, if you're using a professional, they're keeping you on the straight and narrow right. path as well. Um, but, you know, again, a word to the wise is sufficient.
Right. And if you would like to take advantage of a free consultation to see um, whether you're working and want to think about a future retirement date or you were planning on retired, now you're worried about spending, inflation, market volatility, or you're someone in retirement that may want to do things and not you're maybe not doing those things because you're worried. Because certainly we have people coming in that are worried about something that they don't need to be. And people who are say, oh, I think I'll be okay. And they really aren't, they're going to run out of money. And then also looking at how much risk you really need to be taking. And are you someone who's taking on more risk than needed? And are you doing everything that you can now to create that future tax efficient income and have um, tax efficient cash flow in the future? You can call the estate planning team for a free no obligation consultation by phone or in person or sign up for our free September IRA and Roth planning classes. You can call 440-239-2090, that's 440-239-2090, or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right, you listen to Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, we have certainly helped our clients get the understanding of what truly the discipline of financial planning is all about. It's the idea of saying you're trying to stay away from making knee-jerk reactions to shock lines in the paper, right? Mm-hmm. It's the idea of saying you're, you're trying to build a model that projects out into the future based on the best assumptions that you can make today, or even going one step further than that, running multiple model scenarios based on altering some of those assumptions. And and sometimes we call that building your plan R, you know, the R standing for recession. But I, I, today, Carrie, I'm going to – let me – three R's. Okay. I'm going to say uh, how about R for resilient. Okay. My second R is for recession. Okay. And my third R is where you rip off the bandage. Okay. Kind of like what the Bank of England did this week. Okay. All right. So have you heard? I don't know if you heard. No. All right. Uh, UK is not did not get a very good economic forecast from their uh, bank central bankers. Okay. Okay. Basically, the forward guidance that the Bank of England came out with said is okay. This is our for this is our guidance. Thirteen percent inflation. Oh, and recession. They actually said our forecast is recession, meaning six consecutive negative GDP quarters. Mm. That is not a good projection from your central bank. No, no, that's ripping. They ripped off the bandage and Europe is going to have a tough year. And that's one of those things they're saying if Europe is that going to have that bad of an economic downturn downturn you don't think that's going to come to the shores of the u.s Mm, could have an impact i would guess all right um so and to test these plan hours on the radio i'm just going to use benjamin's four percent rule right um but we're going to modify the four percent rule for the um the for a worse economic condition. But what's my resilience? So everybody knows the 4% rule. The idea is that if you're starting with a million dollars, you've got a 30-year time period, you're assuming a 5% rate of return on investments, you're assuming 3.5% inflation on your spending. The first year, you can take out 4%, around $40,000. You can increase that amount every year by 3.5%. By the time you get to the end of the 30th year, your million dollars would be approaching zero. Okay. Okay. Then to that, of course, you got to add in your other fixed retirement income to get your total retirement budget. So in my example today on the radio, I'm going to keep it simple, assuming that the primary Social Security is going to get $24,000 a year, and then the half spousal is going to be another 12000 Okay. So basically, using that example, let's say they're starting at 67. The 30 years takes them to 96. Let's say they're okay with that time frame. All right. They've got the so the forty thousand dollars on the income, you know, the asset withdrawal, right? Based on a million dollars of nest egg, and then the uh, twenty four plus a twelve. So basically, in a down and dirty way, they can budget seventy six thousand dollars a year for their retirement. 
Okay. Um, and you'd have inflation protection because Benjamin built in the th- inflation protection using the three and a half percent on the withdrawal need, and Social Security has a cost of living increase. All right. But so, what would the resilient plan be? So, I would say that's the people are in a group that says, "Okay, I had a bad year, right? But I think it's not going to c- continue. I think we're going to be fine." Okay. Okay. So. In this case, yeah, I was estimating, you know, let's say I started the 4% rule last year. So I thought I was going to take out 40000 was going to cover it. But really, because of the 7% inflation, let's say, it really cost me 42800 Okay. All right. So, all right. So I'm a little bit behind the game, right? Because I was only supposed to use take out forty, but it actually, with the inflation, it cost me forty two eight. But I'm also saying it's going to be okay next year. Right. Now, but I'm not going to get my 5% rate of return on my 60-40 portfolio this year. Okay. Actually, I'm at a 10% loss. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to tell the robot to redo the 4% rule. And so now, if I just book that, and now my higher base of 42800 spending, I'm going to keep that going mm-hmm. with 3.5% inflation. Meaning I'm thinking that we're going to get back to 3.5% next year. But how much... With the 10% loss in the first year, sequence of returns, how much does that shorten that 30 years? Now, mm. can you do that math in your head? No, I cannot. Most people can't. All right, this is why we, we get the robots do it. Okay, so actually, that million dollars is no longer lasting 30 years. It's lasting somewhere between 23 and 24 years. That's, a, that's more years than I would have guessed. Okay, now that takes you back down to about age 90 which is about your joint life expectancy for a 67-year-old couple, all right? But now let's say you wanted to shore up that plan. What if you say, okay, I'm, I need to change because that's too short of a time period. Right, because now I know that's seven years, what, seven years different, Mark? Then I need to adjust. I'm going to take some action. Yeah, about six years, six, you know, about okay. five to six years, okay? Um, now, so, okay, I'm going to have to cut my spending, Okay. Because I'm not going to increase my rate of return from 5%. All right. So how much do and I'm I... Not, and I'm not going to increase inflation. I'm going to leave that at 3.5. So, so I need to know how much do I right. need to cut. So in the second year where if you were just going to add 3.5% inflation until the 42800 you would have been spending 44298 Okay. Okay. Um, but also... You might have not been, you know, there's going to be a nice Social Security increase next year. Right. Probably 8%. You might have not had that in your plan. Right. So I'm going to up the Social Security, assuming they're going to get the 8%, okay? But I still have to cut, make a cut to those expenses. So I can't be spending 44298 Right. I got to be spending 36000 Okay. Okay. But with the increase in Social Security... The actual difference, you know, because I'm getting a Social Security bump because I wasn't estimating an 8% in in Social Security increase. So the difference, the net I have to cut in expenses, Carrie, really comes out to be about $3,240. But at least I know. Yeah, and it's about 4%. But I know. Right. At least I can do something. I can start looking to see if I can find a 4% cut. And it could be on... Home remodel. It, hey, I'm going to postpone doing something else. It could be, hey, I'm going to go on travel, but I'm going to look for deals and whatever that is. I'm going to cut back on my gifting. Okay. Now I'm going to do the recession plan, and I'm okay. going to stay away from the numbers, Carrie, because we're running out of time. Okay. But same thing. But in a recession plan, you think it's going to be a little bit worse than the resilient plan. Right. So you're thinking on top of what we talked about happened this year, I think there's going to be an additional 10% loss next year. Then maybe a 2.5% gain, a recovery period, and then maybe back to our 5% gain ongoing. Okay. Okay. Um, And now what does that do? Okay, so now under that plan, I still haven't changed inflation yet. I'm still assuming that inflation is going to go back down to 3.5% starting next year. Okay. I'm just more worse. In other words- You're looking at more the growth end of a- It's a recession plan. The Fed's going to clamp down on inflation, but it's going to lead to a recession. Okay. Okay. And a slow growth recovery. A normal recovery, not the V-shaped recovery we right. saw in the Rona. You know. Um, all right. So now the plan's only lasting to about age 86. 
That's short of the joint life expectancy. Quite short. All right. Um, so now you say, well, gee, how much of a spending cut do I have to make in that case? So what was the spending cut in the resilient plan, Carrie? You said net was three between the Social Security yeah, so about increase. A 4%. Or- Under the recession plan, it's going to need to be about an 11% cut. Okay. But at that's, least I know. That's going to be a little bit more difficult. But it depends on your case. If you have more discretionary spending, which certainly it depends right. how. Now, if you're someone who has a lot of discretionary spending building, maybe that'll, you know what? That tells me, in, or if we know for some client's experience, that 11% is doable. That's all I need to do to make sure that I'm going to be okay in the long run. Right. Um, so that's now. Let's. Um, Okay, I have a couple minutes left, Gary. I'm going to rip off the bandage plan. Okay. All right. This is where you think not only are we going to have the recession, but higher inflation embedded. Okay. So I'm going to assume for the next three years, inflation is going to go 10%, 8%, 6%, then back down to 3.5%. Okay. Okay. I'm also going to assume on top of the 10% loss I've already had this year, a 13% loss next year. That's a 23% hit. Then a 0% gain, a much slower recovery, then two and a half, and then back to five. This is a worst case scenario. This is ripping off the band-aid. This is basically what the Bank of England did to their people. For somebody who wants to know worst case scenario, how is this going to affect me? Okay, now the plan is lasting to about age 82. That's a lot short of joint life expectancy. Okay. Um, now, what? What? How much of a spending cut are you going to have to make to make that up? I'm going to say at least twenty twenty five off the top too of back my head. Here. This is where it's hard to do this math. Right. I would just take guessing. It's about sixteen seventeen percent. Okay, not nearly as bad as I thought in my head. Okay, um, and that's you know, but at least. That's where you're saying, okay, I need to get this type of information because I don't know. I'm not going to ask my neighbor what type of you know cut they have to make. I need to kind of know what I need to to do, right? And how many people, because they're worried about this worst case, aren't are going to keep working when maybe they hate their job? And that's a whole nother avenue we go down with our clients. Right, but I'm saying if I knew that, hey, I can, and you know what, I have enough discretionary that even a worst case, I don't have to stay in a job I hate. Or I know that, hey, even if worst case, I'm worried sick at night, or, you know, then it leads to other planning maneuvers. But it starts again, as we keep saying, the objective analysis isn't the analysis in itself. It's your numbers and puts you in a decision making mode and also tells you, if this happens, these are the steps I need to take. Right. In other words, if that worst economic condition does derail my plan for retirement, okay, other than cutting expenses, the other way, like you're saying, is do you have to work longer? And by the way, how much longer? Right. Part-time? Full-time? One year? Three years? That's the detail we get to. Right. And take advantage of a free consult- our free consultation or sign up for our September classes. Call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090 or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.